Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts, here on a just terrific February Tuesday. I don't know about you guys, but it's always nice when you see the icicles crying outside, and then they're just gone later in the day, and it's it's really nice right now, like a 60-degree difference from last week or whatever. We're pushing back right now. We've we've got some tempo going on offense, and uh, and they can't get settled. I, I, you I like on their heels going. a little bit, Brian. Yeah, I think we I, we just got to keep playing fast. The just I'm just hoping there's no TV timeouts because I feel like we've got momentum here. Yeah. One of you going to go for the hoodie joke or? Nope. Car wash know. day though. I'm going to the car wash. Man, I am not a car wash person. Like, I just, I don't, every now and then, like, when my car's really bad, I'll go. Otherwise, it's just a few times a year. But I am just astounded at the lines that people sit in to wash their cars. Like, it just blows my mind. Yeah, I still go, uh, I go the uh, the route where you just go to a gas station with one on your your own I'm, I'm not i haven't uh raised myself up to the fancy car wash industry that's going on in lincoln wow so you're is it you're you're still basically going to the diy version of the car wash just not in your driveway uh well i mean you go you go into the basically i just go to the the come and go or whatever and you get you pay your 10 extra bucks for the deluxe wash and that's that's how i roll gotcha. Gotcha. yeah so that so that's you're... my plan I thought you were talking about one of those structures where you just pull into like a stall and then you got all the utensils there to, to go forth with it. Only done that once in my life. I don't think I've ever used a car wash in that fashion. I usually go that. That's my route. I usually go get a, get a roll of quarters, just go to town. That's the way you're supposed to do it. That's, that's how your grandfather would have done it. It's a, uh... There's a little bit of nervousness too, because you you can almost you can almost get the whole car done in that first plug of quarters, but you know you're you're kind of they get you on the two for one. You, you you need like another twenty seconds. It's a race against time. Yeah, it's like when you're trying to get that last uh, length or two of grass in your yard, and you can hear your motor your, your lawnmower start to sputter a little bit and you start like kind of running across the lawn. Do you kind of do that in the back seat with the vacuum? Oh, I don't, I don't vacuum. I, it's, oh. it's just on the outside. Okay. You, you're, I usually get about halfway through the rinse and then it just it cuts out. So, so how many quarters for a complete car wash? Like, what are we saying here? I think you're usually looking at like four, four or five bucks. Okay. Practical. That's practical of you. All right. Well, that definitely saves you money. But do you get the rust protection in the undercoat? Uh, no, but you can really get in there. It's like a water pick. You can really get in there and get the get the dirt out. <laughs> I thought you weren't pro water pick. I'm not. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there goes them as a potential sponsor of this show, I suppose. All right. Uh, let's let's get on to the the discussion or the topic at hand here nebraska's three transfers were ranked by 24 7 sports marquise step the only one to make it inside the top 50 are you guys surprised by that at all we'll start with with that before we dive too deep into it uh yeah uh two should be in there um i think N not to knock our own 
co-workers at 24-7 Sports, but I, I, I think when you're talking about a guy who put up almost 1,500 receiving yards, I think, I think he cracks the top 50 in my book. He's my – honestly, he's my favorite of the pickups, and I like Step too. Uh, but if you had me rank him, he would be on that list. He'd be at the top of that list, I should say. Would you, would you have put if, – if this was Brian Christofferson's rankings – would you have put Toure above Step in the rankings? Um, yeah. Now I, I understand that if it's based off the idea that Steps, you've got more value because you get more years out of them. I, I get that uh, reasoning, but um, as far as immediate impact in 2021, which is kind of how I'm thinking about it right now, uh, Toure to me with at, at such obviously running backs a position of need to, but wide receiver, we saw where that was last year and they, they need a, a major lift and a veteran presence. And I just, I just think he, uh, as we like to say, checks a lot of boxes for what they're looking for. Brian, do you think it with, with two Ray at all? And, and I, I kind of agree with you. I I'm, would think that he would have been the higher rated guy, but do you think we're sort of experiencing like some recency bias, just given Nebraska's just issues at wide receivers. So therefore we're projecting, a lot on them when maybe yeah. uh, we're, we're just sort of doing it without merit. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think uh, there's people outside our bubble and inside our bubble who want to see the passing game actually prove it can be competent week in week out and, and throw the ball downfield before you, uh, you know, you buy too much into it. Uh, I think probably the other thing, and I understand this is, you know, step was a big time recruit coming out of high school and that hasn't been forgotten by people um especially at 24 7 sports and uh there's you know there's a thought of if he can become that that every down type of guy uh that can produce like he was expected to coming out of high school that uh nebraska really got a a steal there so i get it because he had he had more recruiting fanfare than Toure, who had basically no recruiting fanfare back in the day and, and just went and, and every year got better up in Montana. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I, I definitely get what you're saying there for sure. And I, like I said, I, I was looking at it and it made me wonder, it, it made me wonder if there's a difficulty in trying to assess a guy going from the FCS to the FBS level because, you know, if Kay Johnson would have been in those transfer rankings at wide receiver, it would have been hard for me to imagine that he wouldn't have been a fairly highly rated guy. Um, but I, I just think that uh, it, there, there might be a little bit of difficulty with that. Bruns, where did you kind of come down on all of this? Yeah, no, I, I think I think that when you look at – I mean, I, I don't really know, like, the exact – kind of approach that was taken with the rankings, but just in terms of what it means for Nebraska, I think that, that if you look at importance to this year, I think that step is the more important player um, because of Nebraska's very wide open situation at running back. Um, That said, I think you can make probably an argument based on past production that Toure deserves to probably be ranked a little bit higher in terms of importance. He's also at a position that, you know, is vital to Nebraska's offense taking this step forward. But I just feel like there's more, more options there, I guess, um, for, for Nebraska this year. So 
you know, I, it's going to be an interesting conversation to have, let's say in May when, you know, Nebraska potentially adds a couple more guys based on need or what they seem to find that they need this spring, um, you know, with wh- whether that includes a quarterback, we'll see. I, I think that's still to be determined, but um, you know, the, the, I guess kind of how Nebraska's transfer class looks, um, I think is probably going to be one of the, the more intriguing uh, storylines of the spring. Cause I, I, I don't know necessarily that the need has been completely identified yet until they get to go through spring practice. People might be sleeping on Kalarovich too, a little bit, just because I think there's a thought that Nebraska's in pretty good shape at middle linebacker, you know, because, uh, you know, hopefully Reimer has a healthy season and then, you know, Nick Henrich obviously can move around and with Honus back. Um, that said, if you look at Kalarovich's uh, numbers when he was at Northern Iowa, uh, he was sort of a tackle machine. Uh, he had a little bit of injury issue that, uh, that lingered with him there. So he needs to get past that. But when he played, he played some of his best football against, against really good teams and uh, some of his best statistical days were against those teams. So um, I know he gets moved to the side a little bit because of the depth conversation and his position has more depth, but uh, he's going to, I think he's going to uh, give some guys a run for, for snaps at that spot right off the bat. Yeah, I, I also am kind of intrigued with Kolarovic because I watched Northern Iowa play the other day, and he left a pretty good defense. And so um, I, I suspect that he is going to be a, a helpful player for Nebraska. You mentioned Luke Reimer being healthy. It is kind of interesting. He was banged up a few different times already through these two years. And so I, I am really curious what that looks like with a healthy Reimer, a healthy Kolarovic. You got Will Honus, you have Nick Henrich. I mean, there's just uh, a lot of bodies there and and allows kind of Eric Shenander to, to match up and, and mix and match a little bit based on whose skill set might best fit whatever offense Nebraska is playing. But I, I do expect Kolarovich to be a, a pretty good producer for Nebraska. And and I just think those guys who, and, and it's at kind of every level, those guys who are just around the ball, are always around the ball. And so I, I anticipate he's going to be pretty good. He's, you know, to, to put it in sort of the fantasy terms, he's got like the highest floor, I think, of those three guys. Like, I, I think I, I think he's the safest of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, and in that conversation, Henrich is really the wild card, I think, because, I mean, we saw them move him around outside and inside last year you wonder if they want to kind of end that game and just have him be able to settle in the one spot or if that matters. Uh, so that, I mean, there's the one thing that's obvious to me in listening to Chenander when he was doing interviews last fall is they want to get Nick Henrich on the field more and more as this goes on. Like there's no doubt they see him as a primary guy for the future of this defense. Um, so it's just a matter of if it's inside, outside or both. Who, this isn't the question that, that we started the, the chat with, but it, it has me thinking a little bit. Who do you guys think the best linebacker is going to be for Nebraska in 2021? Or 2020? No, what year are we? I don't even know. 2021. In the year 2000. 
Do you remember that Conan bit? I do not. I do. Man, I'm dating myself. <laughs> they, they were doing that. They were doing that bit, but when the year 2000 was still in the future. Yeah, I wasn't a Conan guy. Yeah, I thought the only reason I thought the bit was really funny. They used to do it in the 90s, like what the future would look like in 2000, like it's five years away. And then when it got to be like 2004, they were still doing it, but they didn't. They still called it in the year 2000, um, which I, I don't know, it humored me. But anyway, Bronx can take the first stab at that. Uh, sorry for interrupting. I'll go sit in the corner. Best linebacker. I think I think I would go with senior super senior Will Honus. And I, go. I go back and forth between Honus and Doman. I think both of those guys are going to be equally vital, but for different reasons, because I think Honus is Nebraska's best blitzer up the middle. And I think that you've seen his career continue on an upward trajectory which is a good sign um you know coming off the knee injury you looked a little tentative but you know the, the past couple of years he's looked really good there um but you know nebraska also doesn't have another jojo doman on its roster right now so that's where i would maybe lean doman a little bit more but i, I just think that of those guys that at either linebacker spot who's kind of set up for a really big 2021 and bigger than they've had previously. I think I would lean Honus more than the others. Yeah. I don't know why. I think we're going to get a big breakout Luke Reimer season. I just think he's very athletic. I really like the, the way that he plays. He had some games last year where it felt like he was pretty much always in on the tackle I, again, I'm, I'm not able to completely explain why I feel like this, but I think Luke Reimer in his third year, second year of, of really kind of getting this playing time, should he stay healthy, I, I think he's going to be really good. Like a very, very productive linebacker putting up numbers that we haven't seen in a long time. Like I, I anticipate a big year from him. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Reimer is going to be the best middle linebacker uh, in 2021. And he's, he's, I would go so far as to say outside of Cam Taylor Britt, he's Nebraska's best defender in 2021. Yeah. I, I, about it. I mean, I would debate between Reimer and Doman for my pick for 2021. Who's going to be uh, the best. Cause I, I view Doman as, as maybe the most valuable piece on the defense uh, at this point. But uh, I think, I think Reimer, is going to uh, – I, I always think of the first half against Northwestern. I Damn. mean, he made a mistake or two, I think, on the first run fit or whatever when they, they busted the long one for the TD. He might have had some blame in that. But he was just, like, all over, like, every single play. You know, it didn't matter where the ball was. He was there. He – I mean, at the end of the half, he had that play where he got there on the sack and almost recovered the own fumble, which would have been huge in that game. Uh, he's just such a for a guy who has been as really as a smaller sample size than we think so far. He just has flashed so much potential. So um, I think he's going to be a stud. Um, and the big thing is the injuries. He's got to he's got to get a full season in. You got Reimer thoughts, Bruns? Yeah, I can go. I I can follow along with that. I mean, I. 
I, I think the question mark is true. I mean, about whether or not he can stay healthy. Um, you know, I, I do think with another off season, um, he's going to be even better. And I, I think, you know, with the full off season to continue to add a little bit more weight, I, I think that's important too in the big 10. I mean, I, he's obviously got the speed. I think he's got kind of has that, that sense, I think, and, and football smarts of just kind of knowing where to be. And, and, you know, he's a, he's an old eight man guy. Like he, he, he can run. And uh, if you can get a little bit more, a little bit more bulk on him without sacrificing the speed, I, I think, uh, I think you might be onto something there. I, I, I just think, I, I do think though, that, that I will stick with um, Honus being my, being my continued breakout guy. Do you guys have a dark horse since we're uh, going full linebacker? Is there like somebody who hasn't done it yet, but is your, you're like, he could uh, pop onto the scene. I liked, I liked the way Garrett Nelson ended the, the season and he's obviously, you know, a known quantity um, in, in the defense, but you know, I, I think his first year he was just kind of, you know, just out there just out there running and, and just like, you know, he's just basically eye black and piss and vinegar out there. And, you know, I, I think towards the end of this season, um, you started to see him play within the defense a little bit more. And I think you started to see him get a little bit more disruptive um, with consistency, I guess. I mean, it, it felt like, you know, I have these kind of grainy, highlights in my head of like him running to the wrong spot in his freshman year. And I think he's past that. So I, I, I think he would probably be my guy that I would pick for a potential breakout guy, uh, or at least more consistent on a higher level than what we've seen from him. It felt like he played with more of controlled chaos to the last couple of games, like early in the season, you know, I think of the play against Penn state where he had the kill shot on the sack and he completely whiffed, and then they ended up throwing like a 75-yard pass that put Penn State back in the game. And it felt like the last few weeks of the season, uh, he he disciplined himself a little bit more in some respects. I, I mean, you don't want to lose that that Red Bull mentality or Red, Red Bull way of playing he has, but you do have to keep it under control, and I thought he was doing that, especially the last game. He played a really good last game. I think one of the things we saw in the last month of the season is Nebraska started to use him as more of a, like a four down or, you know, with four down lineman is more of like a traditional defensive lineman. And, and so I, I think that's where some of his success came from. He had a really nice game against Purdue. Uh, and then he played well against Minnesota and Rutgers too. And so I, I, uh, I agree with all of that. The, the one guy, if I was going dark horse, cause as Brun said, we kind of know about Garrett Nelson Jamari Butler was someone I was intrigued by Nebraska. I think liked quite a bit uh, more relative than what his recruiting ranking was. Another one of these basketball guys where it's like, they wanted to kind of see what he had athletically. He didn't do much last fall, but I think this spring is going to be important. And I think they're going to be sort of looking for people to push Caleb Tanner and he could be one of those. Nico Cooper could be another, but Jamari Butler is someone that I would kind of just, throw out there is keep an eye on that you know see if his name kind of pops up a little bit this spring but they they like that athleticism 
and I, I continue to think that Nebraska is going to find one of these pass rushers. It's not going to be the guy that they go out and recruit that's going to be, you know, a top 50 player in the country because, one, they're not winning those battles very often, if at all, uh, and certainly not on the defensive side of the ball at pass rusher. And, two, a lot of these defenders, especially in college, that put up these gaudy stack num- or sack numbers aren't always just studs. I mean, they, they come out of places. And so I think Nebraska is going to unearth one at some point, and it could very well just be – one of these former basketball players that turns into an outside linebacker. Nico Cooper is a good name to remember too. Um, He played special teams. I think he was always kind of seen by Nebraska as a longer term developmental play. I think. Yeah, absolutely. He did not play that much at Hutch. Yeah. And so he looks the part, like he looks the part of a big 10 outside linebacker. We'll see you know, with, with an actual spring and some development, um, you know, not in a COVID football season where he kind of shakes out in the mix. I mean, he's, he's a guy that I forget about sometimes and probably shouldn't. Gunnarsson is the other name I'd throw in there. See if Gunnarsson makes a move or if you hear about him at all. It's another good name. I, I feel like that linebacker room, there's just a lot of people that I'm intrigued by. Uh, and then, of course, they're going to – you have the freshmen that are already there, the freshmen that are going to be there. Um, it's a, sort of a, an area where they just feel like by just numbers alone, there's going to be some misses, but you hope to mitigate them because you're going to have so many bodies thrown at it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they don't have the options. Uh, they do. Uh, so it's a matter of uh, finding guys who can turn a game on its ear – and that's that's been what's missing. They they they've started to get better at that outside backer spot last year. I thought I thought there it was a promising step, but now you want to see it go from like okay, you're not just the weakest link. You're you're playing okay to you're actually turning a game in Nebraska's favor, which is what like Garrett Nelson and did in that final game. I thought he made some big plays on like fourth down and short plays and stuff like that. And uh, JoJo Doman did it here and there. So now it's just, can you consistently do that every week? All right, let's uh, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to be joined for the first time on this program. I'm pretty sure it's the first time that we've had an Orange Bowl MVP on this show. Is that right, Brunts? You keep track of these things. Uh, I believe that's true. Okay. Well, then, you know, we're going to go with Brunts' very full-throated confidence on that. And uh, we're going to welcome in Damon Benning when we return. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo. And they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back into the Husker 24-7 podcast. And as promised, on the show making his debut. You know him from local radio. You know him from the 1996 Orange Bowl. Damon Benning, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you guys? Good. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. It's pretty good. Not bad. It could be worse. You got to understand Brunson's excitement level never gets past a three. 
Uh, well, listen, when you're that smart, I mean, do you allow your emotions to get out of check? This is me at a five, Damon. I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> vibrating all over the place. <laughs> I, I can, uh, like, you're just oozing excitement. I can, I can hear it. Brunts, does a, does a first cup of coffee of the day, does that push you up past a five? Uh, no, it usually takes a couple more. The, it takes a couple to get me going. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, Damon, we, uh, we want to kind of dive into a couple things with you. Some obviously we'll get into a little bit of the local recruiting, which has kind of been the story over the last, oh, week or so since the, yeah. the build up to the top fives that came out on Friday and, and everyone's sort of reaction to them as well. Uh, and then we, we want to dive into a, a little Nebraska football spring talk as well. Uh, but we'll, we'll start with those, the, the local recruiting thing here. I, we have talked both, you know, on your show and then off your show about sort of Nebraska and, and recruiting in the state. Do you believe that this weekend will serve as a wake-up call or is it more of an outlier for you with how Nebraska will move forward with recruiting in the state? Uh, it's a fantastic question. I think it's a little bit of both, and I'll explain why. It is a little bit of a wake-up call because something has obviously changed over the last five or six months with um, not only Deshaun Woods, but all, apparently Devin Jackson as well, right? To not be in Nebraska's top five um, after, you know, what you would have thought going into spring ball is, is, is has to be a little bit of concerning, but why I don't think you need to hit panic button per se with doom and gloom is I do think these are both two individuals that really would like to get out of the state. I'm not sure how good Nebraska would have to be or not be, or whatever the case was with that level of recruitment. It just appears as though much like, kind of like Avante Dickerson, that they are ready to be someplace different for their college careers other than the state of Nebraska. Now, the other part of the wake-up call is, though, I think they're going to struggle with uh, both T-Birds and, and MRD, Michael Riley-Ducker, uh, and Caden Helms as well. You definitely don't want to start trending in that direction, especially – as the uptick in talent 2023-2024 appears to be in really good shape. You definitely don't want to get into any sort of negative trends. David, to to you, is it – I mean, you you mentioned that, you know, obviously those guys maybe want to get get out and, you know, go elsewhere for school, which makes sense. But, I mean, is it – I guess what's the – the fix for kind of reversing that trend because I there's under past staffs, we've kind of had the same conversation of things kind of trending the wrong way. Um, you know, even early on in Scott Frost tenure at Nebraska, the, the thinking was that you know, they were maybe going to be on the outside for both of the guys from Burke. Um, yeah. What, 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 I guess what needs to change? Is it just as simple as winning or is it, you know, something with, you know, kids in the state now where, you know, it's just kind of the, the buildup of, you know, not, you know, years of not having this thing turned around. So I think it's, I think it's three pronged. Um, and I actually think at least with the Metro, right. Kids like right here 
in the heart of Omaha. I think winning is actually the third prong. Winning will be nice, but winning will also bring as much or more competitive schools uh, that have already started to really try to stake claim in the state of Nebraska with, with coming in here recruiting. First and foremost, Nebraska has to, Nebraska has to come across and be that school where kids feel like it's all good for not just their career, but post-career as well. That means the things that happen on and off the football field. How, how is it going to be for me as a student athlete? What are my student athlete experiences going to be like? Does the staff appear to be a staff that has my best interest at heart, regardless of if I'm a really good football player or not? What does it look like for me post-career from a business or how I can set myself up kind of standpoint? Those are the things that I think can really separate Nebraska because what you're running into now, and it goes in cycles, the kids that they're recruiting out of the state, especially locally here, are a little bit more traditional, meaning it's not as much bright-eyed, hey, what can I do for you? Just give me a chance. It's turned into a lot more of, hey, what can you do for me? The, what do you bring to the table that's a, that, that will make me feel comfortable with my skills uh, here at your, your university? Parents can now travel more. I think fiscally, families are in better shape. So they're not as tied to being in the same region. Uh, I think kids are more well, they're, they're better educated. They know that the opportunities are out there. And guys, there's this thing called social media where a kid can see what it's like uh, in, 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 you know, Fayetteville or Scottsdale or Tempe or Coral Gables or wherever without necessarily having to be there. And Nebraska's combating that. It, it, it's not the same as it was 10, 15 years ago where – you know, maybe sometimes if you're if you're grabbing a partial qualifier and Nebraska may be his best school and, and, you know, his parents or his mom or his dad or his grandmother may think, oh, you know, game of the year. I can at least see my baby a couple of times a year on national television. It will be the premier game. See, all those advantages are gone now. And I think Nebraska is really going to have to find a way to kind of combat that because you can't take any of that stuff for granted. You're dealing with a lot more well-rounded student that's looking for more opportunities other than just on the athletic field. It doesn't sound great to say out loud, but that's the nature of the beast when you're dealing with really highly educated, high-end, top-shelf athletes now because there's been a shift in terms of the complete student-athlete experience, and it's kind of happened Overnight, I would say within the last four or five years, the profile of the athlete coming out of Nebraska has changed dramatically. Fant was pre-med. Uh, Xavier Watts, poli-sci, forensics. Um, you know, Henrich is a guy that was interested in sports medicine. Just a very well-educated, high-caliber type of athlete coming out of the metro area now. 
Damon, in, in your experience, who do you feel like has done a nice job of recruiting the Metro from, from other programs? It used to be kind of, you know, Dan Jackson was the coach that was all over the place. You'd have maybe a little bit of Iowa here or there, but there's, there's more schools than ever. You're hearing more names than ever. We know Arizona State and, and the connection that Sean Prater has. But who else kind of stands out for you in terms of coming in and, and you're hearing from kids or you're hearing from fellow coaches that this guy's really putting in the work in the Metro? Yeah, I'd start with Arizona State. Um, they, they have uh, really burst on the scene here in the last year, uh, a year and a half, and have had a tremendous impact. Connor Riley, the guys at K-State, are doing a fantastic job. Keep an eye on Missouri. For whatever the reason, uh, Missouri is kind of a school that has been on the lips of a lot of kids here over the last eight to 12 months. I think Iowa State starting to reemerge, right? We kind of wondered why Iowa State wasn't here more, you know, being kind of outdone by Reese Morgan and some of the guys from Iowa. But it appears that that Matt Campbell and his staff um, are, have have made it known that that they want to come back and and see if they can have some impact uh, in the metro area. So you're starting to hear those schools pop up quite a bit. Hey, Damon, what's the pitch you would lead with with local guys right now that's not hokey to them or that they, they could actually get behind? Because, I mean, they're obviously – here and they hear the sourness that comes with losing when Nebraska's having losing seasons. So you got to fight through that. So what, what are you, what would you, if you're recruiting those guys, what can connect with them? You know, when sometimes we're harder on our own, we're harder on the local team and they hear all of that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd start, I'd start with, I would start with the opportunities that can happen for the student athlete experience off the field. Right. We're in a we're, we're coming off a very difficult 2020, uh, you know, lines were drawn in the sand. Race relations were at an all time, not an all time, but for their lifetime in all time high. People can freely express opinions. Uh, there are very strong hot takes out there. If I'm Nebraska, I start with hey, listen, we are for you. We are for the complete student athlete experience. From a multicultural standpoint, we can offer this, 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 and this. Look at our staff. These are the lengths that we have gone to to make sure that post-career and during your career, while you're not on the practice field or in the weight room or competing, these are the experiences you can have. This is what we stand for as a staff. This is what we believe in. I, I wholeheartedly think that that's the first place that I would start because right now when – when, when athletes here locally see all the kids in the transfer portal and who's leaving Nebraska and you get a couple of star studded guys and, and big names, everybody else wants to know why, gosh, no, what's going on with the culture? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? If this guy can't make it, then, you know, what are they going to do for me? And so to really get inside what the culture piece brings to the student athlete experience is without question, where I would start because it's easy to draw conclusions whether they're right or not from the outside looking in if you don't ask the questions of the staff right I mean Wondell Robinson is leaving for a vastly different reason uh than than let's say uh David Alston you know or somebody like that for example so 
uh, you have to kind of get inside what's what. You know, J.D. Spillman is vastly different from Wondell Robinson, even though both those guys were good players. But both draw the what in the world is going on question to the current student athlete being recruited. So I would start with the culture piece, kind of what their fundamental beliefs are in terms of the value of student athletes and their experience and what happens off or away from the football field. No question about that. Kind of spinning it forward, Damon, to, to spring. Um, who are, if, if you were making a list of like, you know, just a handful of guys you're, you're like most curious about or guys not everyone is speaking about now that you think could uh, get up, pop on the radar, who, who comes to mind right now? Well, fresh off his injury, I'm interested to see where Buddha Wright is. Mm-hmm. I think Jada Wright, J- Javen Wright is a guy that um, had really shown flashes, was, was getting ready to be in the mix. He provides you with some, um, I think, unique athleticism. I like his body type. Um, he's got a great frame. You weren't as dynamic on the outside as you wanted to be outside uh, of a guy like JoJo Doman. I think Dawson is a fantastic coach uh, who's very good fundamentally and from a development standpoint. So Javen Wright excites me quite a bit. Um, the other guy is, is Turner Corcoran. Um, what are, what are we seeing that is portable from what happened during the Rutgers game, right? Is that, is that a flash in the pan? Is that something that, uh, is that something that, that, that they can build on? And then I also like kind of the guy in the middle, a, a healthy, a, a healthy competitive inside linebacker room could really be exciting to watch. And I think it starts with a guy like Nick Henrich, who was really starting to come on at the tail end of last year. You pit him with a Luke Reimers. You kind of like what's happening with the inside linebacker recruitment from the young guys. I think that position group as a whole is one that really excites me. Damon, on the front side of this podcast, we were talking about which linebacker we think will have the best year in 2021. I'm curious what you come down with that. Oh, you know, I got to probably – I'll take the easy one. I hate low-hanging fruit because typically you have to clean it off. But I think JoJo Doman is a guy that that another year with Dawson and he decided to come back and he's healthy with a fully committed offseason knowing his role. I, I think JoJo Doman could be a heck of a wild card. Which uh... – Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Schaefer. No, no, you. Okay, okay. Uh, do you have a Do you have a dark horse, like a, a a guy that's way off the radar? Maybe it's not this year, but someone you think will watch out for this guy. Uh, uh, oh, that's tough. Does he have? To, does the position matter? No. Okay. Um. And getting, off the radar, dark. I'm putting you on the spot, just like good. you always do to me. This is payback. This is payback. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, let's go with – boy, that's tough. Um, how about – how about Lynam um, at, the, like a, at, at, the, at, at the quarterback spot? Mm-hmm. I really – I really think 
he's got a chance to be a really good player. And I, while everybody's waiting on Clark and some of these other DBs, you know, what's going on with Miles Farmer, who was my guy, uh, I'll take Lynham. I, he's intriguing, and I think they really like him. He's my off-the-radar guy. So That's are you saying one. I need to be selling my shares of Braxton Clark? Because I have all of them. I tell you what, man, he's going to have his work cut out. That uh, that three-man cornerback rotation is going to be extremely competitive, which for Nebraska is a good thing. So so we're we're still, well, like a month away from the start of spring ball, which is crazy to say. Um, let's, let's fast forward. Right. It's May 2nd, and Nebraska just wrapped up spring ball. Um, what, what three things do you think that Nebraska needs to get done during those 15 practices to feel like they had a good spring? What, what, what do you need to know on May 2nd about this team that you don't know right now? I'd like to see if, if step is the guy that running back spot is going to settle in to what they want it to be. Uh, there's no mistake about it. Almost any which way you can ask Coach Frost or anybody on this offensive staff what has to happen offensively. They may not even start with turnovers or the quarterback spot. I think they'll talk about downhill run game. So we'll see how much of a concerted effort that is. Because I have a hard time believing, guys, that they just they don't have enough good bodies to run the football, especially if they're going to be good up front. So maybe it's tinkering with the scheme. Uh, maybe it's, it's, uh, you know, formations, but I've seen less skilled backs have better success running the football. So downhill running game is first. Number two is who's settled in on the offensive line in terms of go-to guys, or do we still have competition? I almost would like to see a right tackle win the job tackle win the job a left guard win the job a right guard win the job we know you know it's the center spot hey that's that's that one's pretty easy and he's gotten much better so will the offensive line settle in where guys can take a job and just work on getting better or will there still be this competition from a relatively deep group because if guys settle in as starters that would lead me to believe that those five have to be pretty good because I think they've got eight guys that they could manipulate in terms of being really good contributors. And the other thing is how good will this defense have been in the spring, given all the returners and experience they have, they should be light years ahead of this offense in terms of the skill guys and that front seven. If they aren't dominant, either (laughs) – they're not who we thought they are in terms of them, their progress over the first two years under Coach Shenander, or that offense has a chance to be really good. Last thing for you here, Damon. Is there a, an assistant coach that you feel like it's a little unsung, the, the job that they've done with this program so far in the three years? or if they've easy, 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 easy breezy. Give me pops. Uh, coach Becton of, of the tight ends. Um, that guy is so good with not only fundamentals, but how he wants you to attack life. They call him Pops for a reason. Uh, He's kind of that savvy veteran. He's a very good recruiter. Uh, Guys get better under his watch. I mean, if you're looking for development and guys that have gotten better since they've been there, start in the tight end room because almost to a man, everybody can raise their hand and say, 
I'm better since he's got me than before he got me. I think Becton is the easy, clear-cut runaway choice there. All right. Well, hey, Damon, we appreciate your time uh, with us on the podcast, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Hey, whenever you guys need me, you know, I thank the world of you guys. There's no doubt about that. Thanks, Damon. Thanks, Damon. All right. We'll see you guys. All right. That was Damon Benning. We uh, appreciate his time, and we are – going to take off here but before we go be sure to check out husker 24 7 great deal going on right now save yourself some money if you want to get an annual subscription you can also get access to paramount plus and cbs all access when that merger goes final and uh we'll have plenty of coverage there's plenty of recruiting stuff there's plenty of things going on with 24-7 sports right now, so be sure to check out all of that. We'll catch you on Thursday with another podcast.